Amen. Amen. We praise God. Thank you so much, Norji. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father can literally make you crazy. Did you know that love can literally make you crazy? Uh, something you may or may not know about love is that it can lead to serious infatuation. Uh, the same levels of serotonin that bring about infatuation are found in individuals who have obsessive compulsive disorder. This is probably why, my brothers and sisters, you, why you cannot seem to think of anyone else when you have fallen in love. You see, whether we acknowledge it or not, love is a powerful force. Uh, love, musical artists have tried to sing about it. Poets have tried to express it. Politicians have tried to manipulate it. Uh, there is something about love. You see, love is electrifying. It is exciting. It is exhilarating. And love, my brothers and sisters, is so powerful that we as humans have created a, an entire category of music dedicated to it, which we refer to as love songs. Love songs, you, you, you've probably heard popular love songs such as I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Uh, you've probably heard of When a Man Loves a Woman by, by Percy Sledge, or The Way You Make Me Feel by Michael Jackson. Uh, you see, these are songs that, that have impacted and shaped the way music is sung today. However, as impactful as, as these love songs may be, uh, these, the love that these singers speak about is unmatched and unparalleled to the love of Jesus. You, you see, this love of Jesus is real, and it is beyond comprehension. The story is told of a woman who left her husband. The husband called the police and filed a missing persons report. A few weeks later, the police found her in a different state in the country. They asked, the, they asked the husband, rather, if they wanted him to take him to her. By now, the husband realized how poorly he had treated his dear wife, his dear wife, and he decided to write to her. And he did for months with, with no response from the wife. Finally, Christmas came, and he went to see her. He asked and pleaded his wife, with his wife to, to, to come home, and she did. On the way home, the husband asked his wife, I've written you for months. Why did you not come home so easily? She replied, because those were just letters this time 
you came in person. Uh, I praise God today, brothers and sisters, that we serve a God, Jesus Christ, who came down to earth in person to show us his undeniable love. Though in no way we deserved it, we, we were so undeserving of this love, Jesus still came down to earth and died for us. With that in mind, I invite us to turn to Revelation chapter 2. And I'll read from verse 1 to verse 7. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. The Bible says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne and has patient, and, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The church without love. That is a topic in which I'd love to communicate this message to you. The church without love. The church members at Ephesus were seemingly good and respectable people, but behind the church attendance, behind the faithfulness in tithe, behind the impressive departmental work, and behind the singing and the ministering, there was an emptiness that God could not tolerate. You see, we go to great lengths to do the work of the church and uphold all that the church teaches, which is beautiful and wonderful. However, we have a problem because we can do all these things, yet we lack love. Lehman Strauss puts it beautifully. He says, a wife or husband may remain faithful and may give evidence of careful attention in matters pertaining to each other, and yet there may be a decline in first love. Similarly, a church member may be very regular in attendance at the services, but 
no amount of activity, however intense, can compensate for a lack of love. Ephesus, this was a famous city in the ancient world with an equally famous church. Paul ministered in Ephesus for three years. This great city was world famous as a religious, cultural, and economic center of the region. We, we, we begin this passage with Jesus describing himself to the church. Jesus identifies himself as the center of the church. He, he, he tells the members at Ephesus, look, I am the one who holds you in my hand. And likewise today, Jesus is still the one who holds up his church. Not the elders, not the deacons, not the pastor. Jesus is the center of the church. Jesus begins to, to commend the church at Ephesus. He says, I know your works. I know your labor, your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. Uh, I know your works. And today Jesus is declaring to each and every one who has an ear to hear, I know your works. You see, Jesus looked at the church in Ephesus and he knew its true condition. It, it was no mystery to Jesus what the condition of his church was. And today, Jesus is still calling out to his church in Mandeville, to his church in Manchester, to his church in Jamaica, to his church in the world that I know your true condition. You see, there may be sin hidden in our congregation, but Jesus sees it. We may go to great lengths to, to uh, dress up and disguise our sin, but Jesus knows the true condition of his church. He goes on, your works, your labor, your patience, your patience. Jesus knew that this church in Ephesus did right. They worked hard for the Lord. Sounds familiar? They had godly endurance. And they could not bear those who are evil. They, they pursued doctrinal purity. They did all these wonderful, excellent things. That so far, just reading this passage, the church at Ephesus is looking good. It's looking wonderful, but, but after all these commendations, Jesus was not finished. Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, nevertheless, nevertheless, this, this one word changes the entire trajectory of this passage. If we had just stopped at all the wonderful things Jesus had to say about Ephesus, uh, uh, we wouldn't get the full picture, but nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Jesus uses this sobering word, nevertheless, my brothers and sisters, he, he says, 
nevertheless which means despite all the good that I mentioned earlier there is something nevertheless means that all the good in the Ephesian church did not cancel out the bad if I could apply this to our modern context here in Jamaica you have served the church well nevertheless you attend Sabbath school regularly and are on time nevertheless you are an excellent deacon leader elder in the church nevertheless you sing beautiful songs and you minister but nevertheless you preach and teach exceptionally nevertheless you have left your first love the distinction between leaving and losing is important because something can be lost by accident but leaving is a deliberate act they had left their first love they looked great on the outside but there were there was problems on the inside we would have looked at the church and Ephesus and said that this was a great church this was a wonderful church they were so hard working but Jesus took it deeper while we look on the outside Jesus is looking internally and Jesus said you have left your first love the, the problem was serious and this problem is still serious and critical today because we have individuals who think that they can work and still not love Christ the way they are supposed to it is serious the Ephesian church was a working church sometimes a, a focus on working for Jesus will eclipse a love relationship with him if you don't get anything else from this sermon get this sometimes we what we do for Jesus comes before who we are in him let me rephrase that we can put what we do for Jesus before who we are in him Jesus however gives the church at Ephesus instruction as to how they can fix this problem the Bible says remember therefore where you have fallen the first step in restoration for the Ephesians church was what's for them to remember they need to remember where they have fallen this means remembering where they used to be in their love for the Lord and one another. You can remember the prodigal son when he was in the pig pen. The first step in his restoration was remembering what life was like back in his father's home. Uh, similarly, this always has to be the first step 
we have to take a real hard look at ourselves and acknowledge the fact that our relationship with God is not where it used to be. Secondly, God tells the church at Ephesus to repent. And, and, and in order to truly understand the word repent, to repent is not just to feel sorry about what you have done. It means to change your direction and go in a different way. You see, if we are to truly love Jesus and the church and the people of the church, we should have, we have to change our direction. You see, for too long over the years, we have been stagnant and, and stubborn in our ways, but we have to repent and seek God's forgiveness. Jesus also commands the church to do the first works. This means that the church at Ephesus needed to get back to the basics. The things that, that they used to do when they first fell in love with Jesus. My brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. We have to get back to spending time in God's word. We have to get back to praying regularly and passionately. We have to get back to having joy and excitement and anticipation in coming to church. We have to get back in being thrilled to tell others about the love of Jesus. We, we, we have to get back to where Jesus wants us to be. We have to recognize that things are not the way they are supposed to be. Jesus wants us to get back. Jesus also instructs the church at Ephesus that there will be a consequence if they do not return to their first love. Unless they repent, Jesus would remove their light from his presence. They would continue to be an organization, but they would not have the power that a true church of Jesus Christ would have. That is what happens when we do not possess that love, that true, genuine love for Jesus. He who has an ear, let him hear. But I, I praise God for the fact that we were not left completely hopeless. Though we have fallen and left our true love, there, there, there is hope. Because the same God who we, we left is still waiting with open arms to take us back. I praise God that though I may have stumbled, though I may have fallen, though I may have left the church, or though I may be seated in church, but my relationship is not where it's at, Jesus is still available to take full control of my life. That's why there is a promise of a reward. The Bible says, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I don't know about the members of Mandeville Estate Church, but 
I want to be an overcomer. Uh, I want to overcome the, the, the problem, the sin of this world and live and reign with Jesus. This overcoming, that, that, that Revelation 2 is speaking about, it, it refers to overcoming our coldness of heart and a lack of love marked by, by leaving their first love. You know, I, I was speaking to Brother Armsby last week. I hope he doesn't mind me. We had a lovely conversation that even though he's not 100%, but... but He's still serving. Even though he, he's not where he's supposed to be. Because he has and possesses that, that love for God and Jesus. He is still ministering. So I asked the church here at Mandeville, what is your excuse? He's not well yet still. He goes out and he serves and he, he ministers. He has that love for Jesus and the church. Later in Revelation chapter 7, we see the results of returning to a love for God. The Bible says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb then one of the elders asked me these <laughs> in white robes who are they and where did they come from i answered sir you know and he said these are they who have come out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Praise God to those who overcome, to those who return to that love for Jesus. A white robe is guaranteed for us. I praise God. And I close with, with the powerful words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul describes love. He says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put return to him. For those of us who possess that love, we praise God for you. And we, we thank God that you are serving him out of love. But for the rest of us who can genuinely acknowledge that our relationship is not where it ought to be, or that we are just going through the motions, not living our lives in recognition of Jesus' love, God is still available to help. God is extending his hands to this congregation here at Mandeville saying, my child, my son, my daughter, I am here. And if you return to me, you can also overcome and experience eternal life when I return. So I'm going to invite the entire congregation to stand as we bring our service to a close.
And let us just reflect firstly on the amazing love of Jesus. And for what his sacrifice, what his love has allowed us the privilege to do, to experience eternal life and to live a life that influences others and leads others to know him as well. So as I pray, I invite you to also reflect on your current relationship with God, where you stand with God. And I invite our online viewers to do the same. Where do you stand with God? Do you still possess that love? And, and by chance, if there's an individual, I want to extend this appeal to someone who just wants to acknowledge publicly by the raising of your hand, Lord, I am returning to your love. I'm returning to that love. I want to experience your love again. If, if, if you want to experience that love again, I invite you to just raise your right hand as we pray.